And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hello, listener. I'm Carl Anker, and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This week, it is time for some calm before another potential storm as Manchester United come out of another international break and into some more Premier League action. Joining me as ever to make sense of all things Manchester United is Laurie Whitwell. He's my fellow Manchester United beat reporter for The Athletic and a good mate. How are you doing, Laurie? I'm good, Carl. Great to hear from you. What have you been getting up to in, during your international break? Uh, I've had a little bit of downtime, to be honest. I've um, been following Wales, um, speaking to Ryan Giggs, um, who's had a, a difficult evening against England at Wembley, but then uh, you know slightly more positive one against Republic of Ireland. They're, they're doing all right. We're trying to bring together another piece on uh, that 6-1 at Old Trafford. So we did a piece um, that went live on Friday. Uh, sort of trying to give people the the inside read, so to speak, on how it happened, what the kind of reactions were, and 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 the sort of, sort of opinions around it from people close to it. And then this week, uh, working on a piece to do with the last time that United lost six one, obviously to Manchester City, two thousand eleven. Slightly different circumstances, different kind of match, really. So, uh, but nevertheless, maybe there are some tips, some lessons as to how to respond to that because United actually came out of that and won quite a few in a row. So, yeah, hopefully that should should give some kind of comfort to people <laughs> ahead of the Newcastle game. Also with us on this podcast as ever, he's United We Stand con- editor and contributing writer to The Athletic. It's Mr. Andy Mitten. Andy, where were you when United won Manchester City 6 happened? You brought back a bad memory there. I was in the, <laughs> the Stretford end and there were a group of um, a football tourists in front of me with half and half Manchester City, Manchester United oh, scarves. My and jester's hats and at the end of the game they were posing for pictures smiling and that was more offensive to me <laughs> than, the, than watching Manchester City score six goals and my brother and, and my mate the three of us sat together and I just didn't feel like smiling after watching that it was it was horrendous interestingly I think it was only one nil at half time so it was completely mm. different to the 6-1 the we saw recently where do you keep your half and half scarf from that match, Andy? <laughs> I, I wrote about, I'm not a big fan of the half and halves, um, and I've written that a few times. And then what I then get when I next go to Old Trafford is all the lads who sell them, who I've known for like 30 years, <laughs> g- colouring me. And, you know, <laughs> the, the pretty hard lads, a lot of them as well. Hey, I've seen what you written. <laughs> and, so I feel I'm in a rock between a rock and a hard place on that one. And some of them are lifelong United fans, and that's how they that's how they earn their living, and they they they're good people. But I used to buy the half and half scarves for European games. I can remember the first one I bought was Atletico Madrid against Manchester United in 1991 in Madrid, and it seemed exciting. I don't have the same level of enthusiasm for Manchester United, Liverpool, half and half scarves. That's to put it diplomatically. <laughs> and you, Laurie, what about you? I've never 
<laughs> I used to have a, a woolly hat, you know, and I used to buy little badges every time I went to, to Old Trafford from the Swagmen. And uh, I, I filled I filled it all up. So I had this like hat that started off as quite a nice woolly hat, that, you know, to keep the wind and rain out and then ended up being some quite heavy thing that I don't think I could quite uh, keep up. But I, I've got it somewhere under my bed. But um, but yeah, there we are. I, I was in New York when uh, United lost 6-1 to City because I was working over there and the t- I was in the office and the, uh, the, the match was on on the TV screen I was sort of you know trying to watch it trying to do my work and there's a guy that was um that was there that was a I can't I think he was a South End United fan but anyway he was very excitable and he kept nudging me going oh it's 5-1 oh it's 6-1 I was like yeah thanks I can see cheers <laughs> I remember half and half um ski hats they were popular on the Stratford end in the 80s so you'd have like a United and Celtic or Rangers and Celtic were probably more popular but you'd see plenty of Rangers ones as well and that, that was in the 80s. You didn't really see them so much in, in the 90s. While I've got your attention, I want to let you know there's plenty of Manchester United writing over on The Athletic right now, as ever. Uh, Andy's spoken to Rudy Garcia and there's been a fantastic little conversation with Edison Cavani. I've done an X's and O's tactical piece on Cavani to see whether or not he's going to be the next Zatlan or the next Falcao. Uh, Laurie is, has written about the last time United lost 6-1, as you've just heard there. Uh, and I'm also going to have a go at how uh, Manchester United are supposed to defend as well. So you can enjoy all of that, looking at Manchester United's past, present and future. Access is currently only £1 per month, so go to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up. That's theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to get some of the best Manchester United writing you'll find in English language. Right then, gentlemen, let's look at the international break. And the top of my notes here is Paul Pogba, because apparently he's been talking up um, how uh, Real Madrid would be a dream move. Again. Andy, we've been here before. There was that lovely spell between December 2018 and around about March 2019, where Paul Pogba was one of the best players in the Premier League. And then Ander Herrera got hurt. And then Pogba went on international duty and talked about Real Madrid. Why is he doing it again? He's not... Well, he might be helping himself, but he's not helping the mood among Man United fans after, especially after that 6-1. And especially after a poor start to the season in which Paul Pogba has been one of the poorest performing players. Interesting you mentioned December 18. His stock had fallen in the weeks before Oli took charge. It really had. It was on the floor. And, and I was even told United are just so unhappy with him um, that they're going to get rid of him. And that didn't happen because there was a, a change of manager and it's often easier to get a manager in uh, then change the whole team but as you say he started playing really really well he's just been wildly inconsistent I don't doubt that he's hugely talented but he's nowhere near consistent enough for Manchester United uh, not to justify his status if you make comparisons with what he was like at Juventus and I went to see him in Turin a few times and he was head and shoulders above a lot of the players in a very very good team but I know there were some slight frustrations there because he could disappear within matches and he's been frustrating to watch so far this season and I'd like to see the Pogba which we saw at Brighton after lockdown when him and Fernandez were were fantastic and I know that it causes frustrations with his coaches it's obvious to see they don't know which Paul Pogba they're getting you need if you play in that position for Manchester United to be relied upon you need to be consistent you need to be eight and nine out of ten pretty much uh, every single week and well, Pogba isn't, and I'd love him to be working out, but he's had a poor start to this season. He's not the only one. And when he talks of a move to Madrid, my first thought is, why would Madrid buy him? Because United would want decent money for him. In mitigation, he hasn't signed a new contract, and he is entitled to talk about 
um, other clubs, but he's not one of the best players in the world at the moment. He's not even close. So why would Madrid, who've got aspirations to permanently be the best in the world, sign Paul Pogba? Are they seeing something that none of us are seeing? I still hope that he gets back and becomes an important part for Manchester United, but I'm sorry he's had a really, really poor start to this season. Pogba has tested positive for COVID-19. He, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer spoke to me after the Brighton game and said he was around about three or four weeks off the pace and he basically didn't get a pre-season. Laurie, you're the man of uh, persons, if I'm the man of numbers. Where are we <laughs> with this sort of uh, Paul Pogba contract extension because there was definitely a point in time where I vaguely remember Raiola saying Pogba was going to stay and sign a contract extension <laughs> yeah Raiola said a lot of things doesn't he so it's difficult <laughs> to pinpoint exactly what the truth is at any given moment um, and listen obviously the, the, the situation has changed you know think, things do develop and I can imagine Pogba at one stage was thinking you know at the end of uh, last season when Bruno came and I think he was think, looking at United and thinking actually this could be a place for me uh, and still that could be the case I can I can still see United uh, Paul Pogba signing a new contract at Manchester United just because when you actually shake it down and, and as Andy said the clubs out there who are available um, if they don't get a bid of the right money, you know he's going to have uh, you know a year left on his on his deal next summer. But they've got the the clause, so you know an extra year will be triggered, no doubt. And at that stage, they'll have to make a decision whether they want to extend his contract or sell him. I think that's a real crunch summer for him next summer, really. So um, you know, and, and either way, it could swing. I, I get the feeling that ideally uh, United would, <laughs> you know, as good as Pogba has been and as fair as it is to point out the fact he has tested positive for coronavirus and, and clearly has had some ill effects from that, not being able to train. I don't think he's fully up to speed, is he, um, from his performances so far. I think in an ideal world, if you could, you know, sell him for a lot of money and, you know, buy, you know, players that were 100% committed to the club in his place, that would be the preferred option because you can't have somebody... I mean, you know, Chelsea had it with Eden Hazard, I suppose, and he, he, but he was, still, he was still doing the business for them, really. I, I just don't think it creates a great mood around the place if you've got somebody you know your star player really you know the guy that has the most eyeballs on him um you know on instagram you know also all across social media and then also is the guy that you would hope to be you know the one doing the business for you on the pitch i don't think it's great if he's sort of saying he wants to go that being said is deep midfield is his best position i don't know but we've had this discussion for sort of four or five years now and and really if, if you're a good enough player i think you can act in in whatever role um you know that the manager asks you to so yeah frustration again really because it, it's a sort of statement a sentiment that united could without right now Mm. Uh, I'll be the person in the tower for the game against Newcastle on the weekend but I'll take a quick question we'll ask a quick question to both of you Laurie Andy are you going to start Paul Pogba if you were the United manager this weekend I would like to see Donny van der Beek get a start if so and I think he's more suited to that role anyway so personally I would I would like to see van der Beek in and, and, and Pogba out just just to freshen it up and I think given how poorly Paul Pogba played against Spurs I think it's a fair change to make at this stage Andy I think that's fair but I think you could drop any of the 10 who started against Spurs and that would also be fair and maybe it's time for Ole Gunnar to do that I'm still scarred by the game at Newcastle last year that was probably <laughs> one of the lowest points oh. uh, you had the, the lad who scored the winner who earned like two quid a week. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think he still does. I don't think he's signed a deal, has he? Yeah, he's done seven quid a, a game now or something <laughs> like that. And free tracksuit bottoms from Mike Ashley sports stores. But that was, that was horrendous. I'm just not ready for a repeat of it. I'm sorry. It was uh, it was as bad as it got um, last, last October. And 
I just I fear I'm I'm an optimist, but I'm feeling pretty pessimistic about the team at the moment and, and the run of fixtures coming up starting with Newcastle at the weekend. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECT TV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. It will be a big game this Saturday against Newcastle. But also, a big thing that's come out throughout the international break is the game will be on pay-per-view. Uh, the 8 o'clock kickoff between Manchester United and Newcastle will be on Sky Sports box office as part of this new move from the Premier League to put some games behind a paywall. Also news that broke this international break is something called Project Big Picture, where Manchester United owners have been in bed with Liverpool owners to create a pitch for the future of English football that brings in an 18-game Premier League, uh, removes the Community Shield and also gets rid of the EFL Cup. A lot of stuff's happened during this international break. There's nothing really to do with Manchester United, but also will affect Manchester United a lot in the weeks to come. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we've only seen what's been reported and you speak to other people around the you know the, the the game, and there's definitely a lot of uh, division and uh, sort of anger, I suppose, frustration at how it's come out. Um, and yeah, I mean, just from my own perspective, I think it's a little bit disquieting that. Um, listen, the broad picture is that they want to, you know, give a 250 million pound bailout to the EFL, which is in desperate need of it. There's clubs that are facing bankruptcy if they don't get an immediate cash injection because matches are still going on behind closed doors and they don't have the match day revenue, which is what sustains them in normal times. Um, that being said, the sort of trade-off for that, um, which has been proposed by you know Fenway, um, owners of Liverpool, and by the Glazer family, along with Rick Parry, you know, as chairman of the AFL, which is a, a kind of curious position that he's straddling there, is this idea that then the power is really resides in you know, the, the big six, essentially, because it would be giving nine clubs a sort of a long-term shareholder um, vote and, you know, they would need two-thirds of a majority to pass any rule changes. So, essentially, if the big six agree, then it's it's happening. And that just makes me a little bit uh, cautious about going with it and, and it, it, you know, why do they need to, you know, implement those kind of rule changes in exchange for the money that they're giving out and, and some of the interesting stuff that they have proposed, you know, such as the increased share of Premier League revenue to the, the Football League pyramid. So from 92% that the Premier League hold currently, it would be 75% and, and 25% would then be distributed out sort of more evenly. That's that's a great idea. But I just, and I guess, listen, are they saying we can only do this if you give us more power because we're the clubs that sell the Premier League around the world? You know, clearly more people watch Manchester United, Liverpool, etc. than, um, you know, the likes of uh, Brighton, I would suppose. But um, at the same time, it, it really worries me that that would then do away with the kind of equity that there is across the Premier League and the the kind of even chance of 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 you know of, of randomness. Really, I, I think it does shrink the the aspirations of, of clubs if that becomes a factor. And then the pay per view thing. I mean, I just think <laughs> the way that the way it came out. Just again, you look at the the fourteen ninety five pound price point, and you just wonder. You know that's that's you know that's what you pay for a, a big boxing card that comes around you know once every few months, not a not a match every week. And I just think they've got that wrong. I can understand the idea of trying to recoup a bit more money given um, the fans aren't allowed in the stadium. So you know 
clubs are giving out reimbursements for uh, season tickets and and clearly they've chosen Manchester United as the first game because that you know is going to be the one that draws the biggest audience I would argue and, and therefore you know might have a, a trickle down success for the rest of the, the pay-per-view calendar but I just think the pricing of it just it just makes things it just gives a gives fans the impression that they're sort of the last to think last to be thought of and um and really they're just being fleeced again if it maybe if they set it a little bit lower people would find it more palatable you know 495 because it's a different mm. experience watching it on tv than it is you know going to a stadium that's what you pay for so so that people are saying well it's cheaper than you know buying a match ticket but the whole point is that you go you'd be you know around people that you you know care about and you watch the club that you care about and you have all the emotions that are involved in watching action live and smelling the grass and hearing the ball you know <laughs> maybe i'm getting a bit romantic about it and i think from united's perspective they are you know there is frustration at the fact that the match has then been you know made you know for eight o'clock kickoff on a Saturday which leaves you know scant time for a training session on Sunday really and then obviously PSG is 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 taking place on Tuesday so you know the, the fixture schedulers haven't really taken into account clubs you know fixture list that they've you know, they've said, okay, you can, you know, go, go and be at eight o'clock. It's prime time, Saturday night TV. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really do United much good in, in terms of fitness. Andy, you frequently say football is nothing without fans. How do you feel about pay-per-view and this uh, big project coming up soon? This part of the big project, which contains some good ideas, £20 limit for away fans, a guarantee of 3,000 away tickets as a minimum, um, the the idea that uh, grounds should have safe standing sections in I'm all for all three of them strongly so and have been for a long long time do I think that the American owners of Manchester United and Liverpool should somehow be custodians of the future of English football with a huge amount of power I'm far more circumspect about that as Laurie mentioned the collective is one of the most attractive things about the English Premier League. I, I hate it watching Bournemouth or Watford beat Manchester United like last season, but it does make it more engaging. And it's something that rival leagues, especially La Liga, have tried to move towards because when you get the same two teams winning all the time, uh, it does become uh, boring. I think that the pay-per-view, the cost is high. I've always been about actually going to the games and a lot of my readers are are the match-going fans, and they've always been my priority. And I've always felt that television has has adversely affected the experience of match-going fans. And I realise the match-goers are now in a tiny minority, given how popular United are globally. But little examples, Crystal Palace away scheduled for midweek, three seasons on the trot. You can't Mm. get back to Manchester after the game. I got the train from Sellers last season, and... It was full of hardcore Manchester United fans who missed the winning goal because they had to get back to catch the last train back to to Manchester. And these are your your best customers. Call them what you want, customers, clients. They are the best supporters in terms of the the fact that they go into every single match. And they're the ones who are suffering and missing out. I get that TV money has been hugely important, but I still think it's usually the match-going fans who who miss out when games are shifted. Uh, the team was, don't want this game to be played at 8 o'clock on Saturday night against Newcastle for the reasons that Laurie said. And 
if it's going to be anything like last season, I think fans should be paid to watch it. I'm still recovering from that match a year ago. It should be 15 quid the other way. <laughs> Who's going to pay that? I mean, I know it'd cover the goal scorers' wages for four weeks or whatever, but you've got it. It, it was bad. 15 quid is a lot. They're testing the water, aren't they? And mm, the more mm, the more yeah. this becomes normal, the more I start to worry that. You know, oh well, that eight pm Saturday night kickoff worked really well. Doesn't work well if you're travelling to Newcastle and you try to get back to Manchester at half ten on a Saturday night, and that's my worry that the the match going fans get ostracised once again. Well, that's it. Will will the genie be put back in the bottle? That's that's yeah. the question. And and is this you know crazy situation that we're in being you know kind of being used as an, an exploration for you know potential you know long standing you know ways of, of consuming football, watching football, or, or any kind of issue? You know the substitutions, the the water breaks that we had. I know they they got dismissed you know fairly quickly, but there's you can see what they can see what the idea is. They are they are testing the water. I think you're spot on, Andy, because um, you know you can see if it's a success. Well, okay, let's let's bring it back. Let's let's do certain games pay per view, um, and and you know go from there. You know, it, it does that's that's what concerns me, I suppose, the long term effects of all this. Listeners, please let us know if you will be watching Manchester United Newcastle on pay per view and your system for doing it. I will most likely have to find a uh, pub and drink an orange juice because I will be covering this one. Um, Laurie, what's your method going to be? Uh, likewise, I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, find somewhere that shows it and, and you know maybe have a Diet Coke maybe stretch it to that <laughs> and Andy will you be watching from Barcelona yeah I'm on my way to uh, Paris <laughs> for the game next week so I'm not quite sure where I'm going to be watching it but I'm not going to be in Newcastle on, on Saturday um, and I'm just trying to plan through um, my travel and the European trips there's various restrictions going to different countries and they're just establishing if I can get a press pass for the game in Paris next week and I, and I think I can but I'm not going to pretend these are, these are normal times at all not for fans and, and not for journalists as well we've, we've got restrictions but I like to be at games if possible but now I'll be watching uh, I'll be watching Manchester United beat Newcastle 5-0 on a TV screen somewhere <laughs> I wish Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Shall we talk about Edison Cavani? Yeah. Let's do that. Andy, you spoke to Leon's manager about him, which I thought was a really interesting quirk because uh, Cavani's put quite a few goals past Leon in recent seasons. Yeah, he has. I'm pretty downbeat about United at the moment and I'm a bit worried. I'm worried about um, the shape of the squad, the start to the season. I know people within the club will say that's because of a complete lack of preparation, but I'm worried I can't help how I feel. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Cavani in a Manchester United shirt. And I mentioned in the last podcast that I'd spoke to Diego Forlan about him and he gave me a glowing reference about him and on Thursday I went to Leon for the Athletic and spoke to Rudy Garcia and I said what about Cavani and he could have easily shook his head and gone no 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 but he was glowing about him he said Paris lost a big part of their strength and he's fantastic and not only is he fantastic but he's a leader and he's a warrior and when you've got a player who is of the top level but he also goes into battle every single game he said as a manager that is the dream ticket 
And Manchester United have been lacking characters. It's been really obvious in these recent matches. So I'm hopeful that Cavani can be a leader, not so much in talking to the other players because he doesn't really speak English, but in terms of how he trains. I mean, I'm, I'm, echo, I'm parroting what Forlan told me here. And why not? He knows him far more than I do. And Rudy Garcia knows far more about Cavani than I do because he's plotted to try and stop him uh, mm-hmm. many, many times as a manager. And I've, I'm yet to hear a bad word about him. And you did the piece saying uh, it's hoped that he'll be more of an Ibrahimovic um, than a Falcao. And he hasn't kicked a ball yet for United, but I, I'm pretty optimistic about him. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, play. I know he's 33, but I'm told that he's he, he really looks after himself. And he wanted to... United wanted him a few times in, in recent years and his, his wage demands were astronomical. That's one side of it. The other side of it, and there's often two versions to the truth in football, was that he wanted to be the number one striker and those guarantees weren't given to him. At one point, United had Rooney and and um, Van Persie and he didn't want to repeat the situation he found himself in at Paris where Zlatan was the main man and Cavani's like, I'm actually a really good player too. And I think he proved that. His goal-scoring record at Paris was incredible, as it was at every club he's been at. Let's hope he stays fit and, and carries it on at United and he has a big impact because it's needed. He is needed. Unfortunately, he won't be able to play on Saturday, Saturday against Newcastle. Manchester United confirming on Tuesday that he will definitely miss the Newcastle game due to COVID isolation rules. Andy, you're going to have to isolate when you get back from Paris, aren't you? Well, no, because I will be going back to Spain. I've not sorted it out yet, but because I'm traveling so frequently, um, I don't have to quarantine. I just have to prove how often I'm traveling. And that's, that's for the UK. So traveling pretty much weekly. And then going to different countries, it's different. I've just been looking at a flight to Istanbul for the game there on November the 4th. I've not even looked at the the rules for Turkey yet. Germany, they test you at the airports. Italy, they test you at the airports. France, there's nothing. I was in Portugal for the Champions League. There's nothing there. But these change all of the time. So I'm spending half my time reading up on, um, on where you have to quarantine and where you don't do. <laughs> Well, they have it. We'll have at least one member of Talk of the Devils at every single game going forward. Laurie, I've written a piece about Cavani. Andy's talked to a manager about Cavani. What are your thoughts on Essa Cavani right now? I thought you were going to say, you've done bugger all. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's frustrating that he's not going to be there for the for the Newcastle game because, you know, clearly that was something United you know, could have predicted, you know, uh, and it was sort of go back to the summer and that's the kind of mitigation, I would say, for some of the mood around the club, you know, going into the start of this season, the fact that, you know, transfers were left until the last moment to complete and Cavani's being one of them and, and therefore he's out until, um, you know, the, the next game, you know, PSG, which, you know, listen, that's not a bad game for him to make his debut and you, you feel he's going to be fired up for that one. Um, and I have been looking at his Instagram quite closely for, for any clues as to how he's doing and he is keeping everybody up to date with his treadmill activities uh, and as you mentioned looking very trim uh, he does look in good nick as much as anyone you know does look in good nick on Instagram through through the filters so uh, yeah listen he's supposed to be as Andy said the people that I've spoken to about him and I'm, I'm sure you've I don't know you've, you've got a, a really good piece haven't you on Cavani uh, up on the athletic at the moment Carl in terms of his his output but you kind of sense that he has had injury problems so that that drop off last season does slightly concern me but 
but overall his attitude and his elite ability, you'd think he would add something to United's team. He definitely will. It just remains a question as to who's going to get the crosses in. Maybe it could be Alex Tillis. Somebody mentioned that to me actually. Yeah, Telis as as the as the cross from from deep from from the left. You know, using the perhaps a dummy run from Marcus Rashford to create a bit of space and crossing it deep into the box because that's clearly what he needs, right? Cavani. It could it could work. It could work. I one of us on this podcast here will be doing a statistical something on Telis soon. I doesn't question me. Um, but next up, we need to go uh, have a talk about Paul Scholes because Paul Scholes says. The problem with all Manchester United's forwards is that none of them are an actual centre-forward. Martial almost conned us into thinking he was one at the end of last season because he scored so many goals and was quite good. Now, <laughs> Laurie's laughing because uh, we've just been just speaking like the about... Quite, the quite good bit at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of... It's a very strange series of quotes here from Paul Scholes, who's been in the news quite often throughout the international break due to uh, goings-on at Salford City at the moment as well. Laurie, you've just been laughing there. Someone asked it to you first. Is Anthony Martial a striker or has he conned us? I think conned is probably a pretty strong word, particularly given uh, Paul Scholes was pretty fulsome in his praise towards the end of last season when uh, you know Martial was was doing the business, really, you know, particularly that game against Copenhagen when he was brilliant. I, I think perhaps you know that kind of central striking role, which Cavani does brilliantly, is not what comes naturally to Anthony Martial. He's more of a, you know, it enjoys the quick passing and uh, the fluid movements that you can get from dropping a bit deeper and then finishing. I think his finishing ability is really, really good. So listen, you know, is he going to be that, you know, Alan Shearer, you know, the guy, you know, the Athletic have just signed for a columnist. Is he going to be that kind of centre forward? No, but I think he does have other qualities as a centre forward. And I think he, I think he did well as the number nine last season. You know, I don't think you can, you can scoff at sort of 23 goals that he scored. And, and I actually think that United... You know, if they created more chances for him, if 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 there were, he does he does need to, and I think he did improve his sort of instincts in the six yard box. You know, we we saw that a couple of times towards the end of the season where he got in there and you know tried to break his nose to score a goal, as Solskjaer has, has want to say. But uh, but I but I think ultimately United could actually create more chances. You know, in a, in a bigger volume for all the front front for front three really. So um, yeah, I would probably I'd, I'd probably say Paul Scholes has been a bit harsh there by saying Condos, but I can understand the, the the general sentiment in that United haven't got a centre forward who is absolutely hungry for goals. You know, in that kind of physical presence, you know, that's why they wanted Erling Haaland. That's why Solskjaer still, I think, would like Erling Haaland and doesn't think that that one is a totally ridiculous idea. You know, no bridges were burnt when um, he did decide to go to Borussia Dortmund, you know, from from Solskjaer's perspective, I don't think. That's what Cavani has been brought in to do. Odin Agarlo was was that style, but I think, you know, he's he's not quite at the same level as Cavani, obviously, and you know he's he's going back in January anyway. So so yeah, I, but I, yeah, I think Paul Paul Scholes probably been a bit bit harsh there in, in summary. <laughs> this is a really interesting one because obviously Cavani's going to miss the Newcastle game due to uh, isolation. Martial's going to miss this game due to suspension, and they want to get this to you here. Um, do you think Scholes is being fair to Martial? And also, who would you have lead the line on Saturday? That fellow who gets paid 15 quid to play for Newcastle, sign him or reverse it and start <laughs> going round. I think Paul Scholes is being blunt and that's what he is. You know, when he does TV, he talks like he's talking to his mates in North Manchester, for better or for worse, because his quotes are absolutely brilliant. He's fascinating to watch. At times he will say, yeah, probably I was a bit harsh there. 
or maybe he doesn't realise how powerful his words are in comparison with other people on TV who are more polished or they, they choose the words carefully. But he knows football, he really reads the game well and what he says is pretty much what a lot of fans say. I think Martial had a very good season last year, as as Laurie said. I also remember Paul Scholes complimenting Martial throughout. United, as Laurie said, absolutely wanted a number nine. Igolo hasn't quite worked out as it looked like it might have done just around the lockdown. I think he's been I think, really disappointing in the games against Luton and Brighton in the League Cup. But Cavani's come in and he is absolutely a number nine. And you're going to get injuries, you're going to get absences. And we've got them going into the Newcastle game at the weekend. This is why uh, Oli wanted to bring players in and he didn't want to be short. Because at the start of last season, having left it so long to get rid of Romelu Lukaku, United went into the season too short. And that showed and it was painful. So... Newcastle's going to be difficult on Saturday because you're missing those two players to potentially, well, Cavani's definitely been a world-class player and Martial has pushed towards that level, although like the rest, he's been pretty poor so far this season. So what do you do next? Dan James, he's been poor as well, unfortunately. Igolo, I mean, if he's chosen to start, I think don't think that'd be lifting any spirits among <laughs> Manchester United fans either. Or would you play Paul Pogba in a more advanced role? I remember speaking to someone at the club after Donny van der Beek had just signed and that person was Mike Phelan and he said that they saw van der Beek as a half forward, like Mm -hmm. a really advanced um, player. So maybe there's something in that, uh, playing an even more advanced role. I don't think he's, there's certainly not a number nine, but that term half forward or like a second striker, um, and they need their existing players to, to play well. Marcus Rashford's been pretty flat so far this season. And yeah, Newcastle, I'm not really <laughs> filled with optimism, as you come, can probably Andy. tell. It I will hope come. it will. And the thing is, Carl, with, with all these teams, when you least expect it, it does actually come. And just as they're doing really well, then they tend to, to, to drop. So, I don't know, December last year, Desperate for a win against Tottenham. And then they played really well against Tottenham. I think that was Greenwood's first start. And then beat Manchester City away, best performance of the season. And then lose to Watford, who'd, who'd won one of the previous <laughs> 17. So, and I know he's got to take some of the blame for this because at times his team look unbeatable. And United still haven't lost an away game since January. We've got to say that. So I might be pessimistic going into the game at St. James's Park. United have gone a long, long time without losing... Uh, away from home apart from at neutral venues and neutral venues are where cups tend to be decided I do know that um, but but yeah they've, they've got to get the form back collectively um, even with the players missing those players have got to raise their levels substantially and has the preparation been good? not really with international week there's going to be one day of training before Newcastle at the weekend and that is far from ideal some of those players will not even have one day of training ahead of that game because they've been on international um, duty. To be fair, when Oli does have the team to prepare properly in Marbella or in Dubai or in the lockdown, he tends to prepare the team really, really well. Has he had them all week? No, not at all. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. 
It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. We've got a question here from Ronan. He's asked a really, really fun one. Andy, it's about time, that time in the episode where we always talk about that quote from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer about rather having a hole in his squad than an asshole. Do you think Manchester United are too nice? I don't think nice is the right word. I think they're lacking characters. And that's been pretty obvious in the matches so so far. They're, they're lacking warriors. And I know that opinion is shared by some pretty senior people who've been not at the club, but have worked at the club for a long time. That team is lacking characters. And I'm hoping that Cavani can redress that in some way. Laurie, Manchester United, are they too nice? I don't know about too nice. I think they have got an edge, but I think you could see there was a, a fraying in the game against Spurs that you know maybe a, a bit of nastiness might have done them them good. I, I think you know Scott McCom- Scott McTominay did come on and, and and you know do a bit of that. And to be fair, Luke Shaw did hack down <laughs> Lucas Moura. So I suppose maybe I'm being a bit um, you know not doing a giving them a good service. I think it's more you know just the the collective you know identity of the, of the team and, and making sure they're all pulling in the same direction rather than necessarily not being nasty enough. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Talk of the Devils. We'll be back next week after the PSG game. Other than that, it's thank you from me, a thank you from Laurie. Thanks, guys. Cheers for listening. And a thanks from Andy. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. And, and thank you, listener. It's another episode of Talk of the Devils, a Manchester United podcast brought to you from The Athletic. We'll see you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.